We're going to pick up in our series. Actually, we'll take a little break after this week. But we're going to finish out this section of 17 and 18. And what we're going to uh, kind of finalize and realize is what, what takes place in this fall of Babylon. And uh, we are going to look at um, the difference that Babylon and the darkness that Babylon represents, the world represents, and the difference of the kingdom of light and the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom that you and I are a part of. And we're going to look at those two things, the darkness versus the light. And it really helps us to kick off really well into a series that we will begin next week called Glow. As you came in today, uh, just right outside of these doors, if you leave today to the left, you'll see uh, a display with the uh, My Circle sign on it. And we introduced that around Easter. And we encourage you to write down a list of folks who are in your circles of influence that don't know the Lord or maybe aren't in church. And we encourage you to write those names down and pray for them for an extended period of time. And so we want to reinvigorate that as we think about this idea of glow, that you and I are called to be the light in the dark world, to glow uh, the light of Christ in the darkness, in the dark world in which we live. So we encourage you again to grab one of those cards or pull out your old My Circle card, and they're all there on that display. But a new element is there are tags that we encourage you to grab Mark down the person's name that you're praying for the, or the people in your circle that you're praying for, either their name, and I would encourage you just to do their first name, or like I did, I put one out there with the initials of uh, the person that I'm praying for. And uh, the folks, uh, the other folks I'm praying for, I'll put there as well. I wanted to give you a, a visual example of what to do. So I encourage you to do that in the weeks ahead as we are in this series, but really that will continue on, and that's going to be our emphasis, to be praying for those in our circle. And GLOW stands for something. You'll get to learn all about that in the following three weeks. I want to give that away. But as we close out this section of Revelation, we see this idea of darkness of the world in Babylon and the light that you and I are to exude and shine this last section, there's an angel's song. So we've had voices from above. Jason preached that message. We, last week, looked at a three-act or three-stanza, or really four-stanza uh, song that was written by the world, mourning Babylon. And today we see an angel's song. And that angel's song describes the dark heart of Babylon and we see why she was destroyed. And as we think about that darkness, we want to look at what is corresponding to you and I, what we ought to be exuding, which is the complete opposite of what the world, uh, what the, the darkness that the world is uh, all a part of. So Babylon and the world can be signified by darkness. This is a theme throughout Scripture. If you begin to look at this idea of the darkness of the world. You see it all over the place. I want to draw your attention to two places in Scripture. Number one, Colossians 1, 13 through 14. I'm just going to read it, but uh, you're welcome to write that down and maybe look it up later. It's real short, and it says, 
that God has rescued us. Paul is writing to the Colossian church. He says, God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, you and I once walked in darkness. You and I once were enamored with Babylon. You and I once followed the way of the world, and Paul tells the Colossians that, and by a result, you and I can derive the same idea, is that the darkness is very, uh, we've talked about this in this short series in verses, chapters 17 and 18, the allure of the world has a very enticing and alluring and powerful sway over people. But Christ came, as Romans 5, 8 says, to demonstrate God's love toward us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still in the domain of darkness, while we still followed the ways of the world, Christ died for us. And Paul's reiterating that here is that in Jesus, we can see the light. And the light is redemption and forgiveness and glory and brightness and life. We also see in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, where Jesus specifically says, The people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. He's actually quoting Old Testament scripture to show the people of that day Jesus had come to bring light into the darkness. And so, yes, this world is dark. This world is, is uh, there, there are things about it that are difficult and hard to understand and uh, seemingly overpowering at times. But Jesus is a light that pervades the darkness. Jesus is a light that, ev- that, uh, that permeates and changes the darkness. Jesus is the light that has come and his kingdom is represented in light. Even the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke about in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus tells us that you and I are a city set on a hill to be seen, to be shining the light of Christ. He says in that same passage, we are the light of the world. So let's look at what we ought to be doing in correspondence or in complete opposite, if you will, to what the world is doing in the darkness in which we live. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 21. And what we see here in this final song of this chapter, the angel indicates three things that darkness does, and we'll also compare that with what the light ought to display since we are the light of the world. Revelation chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. If you're able, would you stand to honor God's word in its reading? Verse 21 says, Then a mighty angel picked up a stone like a large millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, In this way Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down violently and never be found again. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again, and the voice of a groom and bride will never be heard in you again. 
All this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth, because of all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. In her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all those slaughtered on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we see three things, I think. We see about the darkness of the world, and, and then I want to compare that with what the light ought to be. Number one, uh, we see this angel recounting prophecies found in Jeremiah 51 and Isaiah 24. Really, some of the words are verbatim. And what that angel is doing in these Old Testament prophecies is he's recounting and recalling what happened in other kingdoms, like the actual the physical Babylon of the Old Testament and the physical uh, kingdom of Tyre and how they were uh, prophesied against and we see them fall. There's even some understanding and language here that we see at the, at, at the fall of Jerusalem and uh, the Israelites back in the Old Testament times as well. They're depicting the fall of these kingdoms and the, this angel is recounting them to help us see the fall of spiritual Babylon. And then the angel describes why Babylon inevitably will fall. And he gives us three reasons. Number one, darkness leads to pride. Darkness leads to pride. Light leads to humility. He says... Uh, verse or chapter 18 all this will happen verse 23 all this will happen because your merchants were the nobility of the earth what he's talking about there is this idea that these merchants and he's recounting this idea of the merchants of Tyre as well and what, what ended up happening is that they were they were elevated to this level of nobility and prestige and honor and it went to their heads He's helping us to see, he's helping, uh, we're able to see in this passage from this song, we're able to see the idea that, that flourishing that happens in the world, that the world allows, we talked about last week, and all these things were gone, these precious and amazing, miraculous things that the world was mourning about and lamenting over. Those things led to them elevating themselves. Isn't, the, isn't, the, isn't this the plight of the original Babylon, of the Tower of Babel, right? Remember what happened there is all these peoples came to this one area and they began building this, uh, this tower and this, this edifice to exalt not the God that they were supposed to worship, but to exalt themselves. And God looked on it and said, hey, that's not going to work. If these people keep doing this, that's, they're going to be in a place that we don't need them to be in. And so he challenged them by uh, confusing their languages. And they had to go and do what he said to do, which was to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and fill it. And they weren't doing that. They were gathering together and they were worshiping themselves in effect. Isn't that the very lie Satan told Adam and Eve at the garden? You don't need God. 
What has God said? What does God have to do with this? The reason he doesn't want you to do the thing he told you not to do, which was to grab this fruit and eat it, the reason he doesn't want you to do that is because he wants, he knows that if you will eat it, you will be like him. And so Satan, from the very beginning, has tempted you and I to worship ourselves, to be our own God, to be prideful, and to exalt ourselves above our, uh, the, where we're supposed to be. But the Bible is very clear that pride leads to destruction. Pride leads to desolation. Pride leads to to ruin. The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. And Pride become, comes before the fall. It's pulling this concept from these merchants from Tyre who considers an, as nobility and this idea that they were flaunting a position of power and prowess. And Scripture tells us that pride leads to utter destruction. That same idea that pride, God opposes the proud. In the very same verse, it says God gives grace the humble so darkness elevates themselves pride is at the core of their hearts pride is really I think at the core of every sinful desire and sinful decision that we act upon it's pride and pride is opposed by God but thank God that there, that doesn't end there thank God in that moment God gives us the way to receive grace to be humble darkness is prideful but humility is 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 filled with light the light leads to humility jesus so clearly represented this when he came philippians 2 5 through 11 say Paul's telling the Philippian church, he says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him. God exalts the humble and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. So if we are going to be the opposite of the world, then you and I don't need to be prideful. You and I need to be humble. We're going to adopt the same mind that was in our Lord, our Savior, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ, and you and I need to take on his humility to humble ourselves, to not be proud, but to 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 be humble, to empty ourselves. The second thing we see about darkness is that darkness deceives 
Darkness deceives and light enlightens. Darkness is going to lead you astray and light is going to lead you to the truth. Here the angel mentions the sorcery that the, that the enemy and the darkness in the world use to dissuade people, to lead them astray. Can we just say for a moment, our enemy is clever. Our enemy is clever. Deception is the name of his game. Many have been deceived by the enemy and, must, and we must fight for truth to go forward. I think about how the enemy lied to Jesus, trying to deceive him as Jesus even went into the wilderness and was tempted like you and I and tried to deceive him into doing things that Jesus was not willing to do. And what did Jesus do to counteract it? He spoke the truth of God's word. You see, darkness is deceptive, but light enlightens with truth. You and I need to run toward the truth. You and I need to be people of the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 17, 17, as he's praying for his disciples in that whole chapter, he says these words, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You and I are made holy. We are sanctified by God's truth, by God's word. And so you and I need to run after that. You and I need to go to the word of the Lord because, listen, darkness is trying to deceive you and I. Darkness is trying to pull the wool over our eyes. How do we know what is true? We run after the word of God. We allow his truth to enlighten us and we see what is real and what is holy and what is perfect and what is needed in our lives. We turn away from the lies that Satan and the world would tell us and we turn to the truth of God's word. Truth is our light. God tells us that in the Psalms. He says it's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. God's word guides us in the dark world in which we live. We see that darkness leads to pride, light leads to humility, darkness deceives, and light enlightens. And the third thing that we see is that darkness sheds blood. Darkness sheds blood and light brings life. The final thing the angel mentions is that Babylon has fallen because Babylon killed Christians, prophets, priests. They killed these martyrs. It says, in her, in the world, in Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and saints of all those slaughtered on the earth. You see, darkness in the world, that darkness that, that, is, that signifies darkness is only out to kill, still, and destroy. The world wants bloodshed. And this is not just anybody to die. It wants you and I to die, followers of Christ, to die. It's out for blood. The world was out for blood and, and achieved it, unfortunately. Darkness punishes. Darkness pushes and tries to get back at those with whom they don't agree. This is sometimes hard for you and I to see in the world that we live in. 
Like, you know, we, I hope that we would all agree that things in the world are changing at a rapid pace, and it's, it's, it's really, um, it can be very, it can be very daunting, and it can be very hard to, to keep up and to catch up with whatever thing is going on. But thank God in America, we are still able to worship freely. We still have our freedoms, uh, freedom of expression of religion. No one's going to, I, I can't imagine anyone's going to come in here and, you know, in an official way and say, you can't do this anymore and take me out and put me in cuffs and take me to jail because of what I am doing, preaching the word of God. Someone may come in here and try to interrupt that. That's happened in other churches as well. But no one's going to come with authority from the government to do that. But there are Christians across our globe that don't have that freedom. The world is out for blood. The world is out to, to keep them. You and I, we, we have persecution light, right? But in a lot of the world, it is hard and fast. And difficult. Here's the, here's the fascinating thing. Do you know that in the place where persecution is the most prevalent, the most fierce, and the most uh, dangerous, do you know that that's where Christianity is growing the fastest? I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to say, well, I wish we could just get a little persecution so maybe we could grow. I'm not going to do that. But I wonder, what if we were pressed a little harder? What would we do? Would some of us flee? Or would we dig in and tell more people about our Lord and find ways to share the gospel with more people? You see, darkness sheds blood, but life comes from the light. And if you and I are shining the light, exuding the light, if you and I are, are the beacons of light, the beams of life reflecting off of our Lord, then we ought to be bringing eternal life into people's lives. There ought to be people around us in our circle, you might say, who are experiencing life because you and I are shining the light of Christ into their lives. Now, whether or not people come to faith in Christ because you shared with them or not, it's really not up to you. You and I are just called to reflect the light, to shine the light. The Lord will do the rest, but man, there ought to be people coming to faith in Christ because we are shining the light. And I wonder, I just wonder, if we are pushed just a little bit more, would we take it more seriously? I pray that what we pray, that we say in and out every, every week, that God would open doors for you and I to share the mystery of Christ. That, that, that passage of Scripture we've read since January, the first week in January, I pray that it would become more and more true of us in our lives, that we press on to share the faith and share the light of Christ because it's the light that brings light or life. Today, we're going to we're going to look at and, and this we're going to have this this vibrant demonstration in just a moment of we we call it a number of things Lord's Supper communion um, it's it's that little 
that little cup of juice and that little stale cracker, you know, just kind of sticks in your teeth. But that represents the world is out for blood, right? Darkness is out for blood. And here's what, here's the coolest thing. Here's the coolest thing. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. Jesus, in a twist of the story, if you will, because his disciples were like, no way. I, you know, Peter went and cut off a guy's ear as he was trying to take Jesus away and arrest him. And Jesus went before the, the trial and the cross and everything that he did as a, a sheep, silent before its shearers, is what the Bible says. Jesus said, you want blood? Take mine. Don't take theirs. Take mine. You want blood? You want to kill, steal, and destroy? Bring it on. And for three days, people were worried. The disciples went back to their old life of fishing. People just... You know, came to dress his, you know, uh, embalm him and do all the things that you would do, bring in all the spices, assuming that he was truly, truly dead. When he got to the tomb, Jesus had already rose from the dead and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. For you, for me, because the light brings resurrection life. Jesus conquers death and darkness and the enemy in this world and there's no other way you can't be good enough you can't do enough religious things that's not the light the light of Christ and you and I humbling ourselves and following in his footsteps and when we take of this demonstration this juice this cracker it's so significant because Jesus said as often as you do it do it in remembrance of what I did conquering death conquering darkness conquering hell conquering the grave and conquering bloodshed by giving my blood and my body so when you and I in just a moment will take of that it's a serious thing because we're saying, we're communing with his death. We're saying, Lord Jesus, what you did on the cross, you did for me. May I never forget. And may I, in turn, be the light in the dark world. So when people see the work you've done in my life, the miraculous work you've done in my life, they'll see the light and prayerfully, prayerfully, by my example, by my words in my life, come to follow you too when we take the Lord's Supper we are warring against a world that wants to kill us you ever thought about it that way it's not just a cup and a cracker it's us saying we identify with the Christ that you want to kill and we march in his power when we take the Lord's Supper we're doing spiritual warfare in a system that would rather us be listed among the prophets and the, the martyrs that were listed in 
in the book of Revelation. So in just a moment, these elements are going to be passed to you. Our deacons are going to come. They're going to pass those to you. And my prayer is that prayerfully you would, number one, get anything in your life right with the Lord in that moment. We're, we're challenged by Paul that we can't take this lightly. There's sin in our lives. We need to confess that if there's something wrong with us and someone else, we need to confess that. And if, if you can't do that in this moment, maybe you don't need to take it because it's serious. This is a big deal. Certainly, if you've not trusted the Lord as your Savior, please don't take it. But if you want to know how, man, I would love to tell you today. And shoot, I'll make, I'll save some of these and we can take it after you get saved, all right? You come to me, I'd love to share with you in just a few moments. But at this time, I want to pray. And as I'm praying, our deacons are going to come and we're going to administer these elements. And you take that seriously because by taking them, it's very serious. We're doing war against the world. We are representing Christ. We are representing the light of Christ to the lost and dying world. God, help us to take these elements, but not just this moment, but the moments that proceed from this, the moments we go home or to eat or wherever we're going today, God, that we would be the light of Christ wherever we go. Lord, I pray today if someone doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray today the Holy Spirit would so clearly convict their heart that they need you. And Lord, you would take what you did on the cross and apply it to their lives. So maybe next year, next week, we warm that water up, but we, we baptize them. Because you are, you, you are the light and you bring life, eternal life. And I pray you would do that today, God. Help us not to take this lightly, but understand very clearly how important this moment is. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.